Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. Good morning. How are we doing today, Summit Church? Okay. All right. It's one of those days. I get it. I get it. It's good to see you. My name is Mel Massingale. I'm the lead pastor here at the Summit, and I am so honored that you are worshiping with us today. Thank you so much for being here, making the Summit a part of your day. If you're a guest with us, if this is your first time, or maybe you've been coming to the Summit for a while and you've never filled out one of our guest cards, I'd really encourage you, take a moment and take this card out of the seat back in front of you, fill this information out for us, and then at the conclusion of the worship experience, stop by our information center. It's on your right-hand side, so as you're going out the main doors, it'll be on your right. Stop by there, drop this off with them. They're gonna answer any questions you may have about the summit. They're also gonna give you a free gift. Uh, it's a summit mug. It's got our logo and our vision statement on there. It says, every life made different. That is why we exist. We wanna see people change for the glory of God and uh, grow in our faith no matter where we're at on that journey. So I wanna encourage you, uh, stop by there, give this to them, and uh, get connected. We'd love to find out more about you. We'd love to answer any questions you have about the summit. If you want to connect through social media, you can do that on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram uh, by searching Indiana Summit Church, and you'll find us there. Uh, so you can stay connected with everything that's coming up and everything that's going on here at the church because there's a lot of stuff happening around here. So it's uh, stay connected, get connected with us there. Also want to welcome all of you that are watching online at summittogether.com. No matter where you may be or how you may be joining us today, I pray that God blesses you as you worship with us. And uh, thank you for joining us from wherever you may be. I really do appreciate it. Whether you're watching live or listening to the podcast or, or watching this video after the fact, thank you for worshiping with us today. Uh, lots of stuff going on. Last weekend, last Sunday night, we had a night of worship and uh, uh, ceremonial groundbreaking here at the church for our new facility. Uh, we've got a new kids and youth facility that were uh, started, uh, that got started this last week. And so, man, it was a great night. And it was just a wonderful night of celebration, just of what God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do. Because I truly believe the best is yet to come. And it has very, very little to do with a facility. And it has everything to do with the people of God and what God is doing in and through us. So I'm excited about what God is doing here and uh, what's coming up. Uh, lots. I mean, we had about 400 people there Sunday night and uh, just hung out and worshiped God together and celebrated his goodness and his faithfulness to us. Uh, but then... Uh, I was lucky because I was teary throughout the whole night, which is shocking, right? Because I, I never cry. I'm too manly for that. And so um, so I had sunglasses on all night, though. So it was nice because I could, you know, I could block it a little bit. But it was funny afterwards how many people took off their sunglasses as we were talking. It was like, oh, you were oh, you were crying. You were crying. Too. And there's so many people just teary-eyed because of the spirit of God that was at work there. So it was a great night. Uh, I want to encourage you. Next time we have a night of worship, don't miss it, okay? It's going to be good. Um, but it's cool because I had people, even today, that stopped me and said, hey, the groundbreaking was great, so when are they going to actually break ground? And I said, well, they did. Th Thursday, they broke ground out here. They started excavation, tearing up the, the parking lot in the back and tearing out stairs and just getting the, everything ready. So uh, work is underway right now. Progress is happening, and we're moving forward. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see that uh, underway, and I'll be even more excited when it's completed and we can get into it. So uh, lots of things changing, lots of things happening. 
One of the updates I gave you a few weeks ago was that uh, that we had hired an executive pastor, and his role is going to be to help take some things off my plate. So he's going to help oversee the administrative duties here at the church as far as um, the facility and the new construction. He's going to help oversee the uh, the administration stuff, just, um, just kind of operations. And so uh, he's taking that off my plate, and I'm really excited about that. But they're with us today, uh, and so I, I want you to welcome with me. I want to introduce them to you today. So welcome with me to the stage, Steve and Susan Rhodes. Hello. Steve, thank you so much, and uh, I just want you to greet and uh, say hello to all the people. Well, first off, let me say thank you to uh, Pastor Mel and Kim. They've been great to us over the past month and making us feel right at home. We're glad to be here. Several years ago, I tried to uh, really come up with a, uh, I don't know, a phrase for my life. Uh, there's a book that's written called The Purpose Driven Life. I'm like, what is my purpose? Well, I came up with it. It's very simple. My dreams come true when yours do. Uh, I tell it to my children, the people I work with. That's really what my life is all about. Susan's life is all about. Uh, Susan would talk. She just doesn't want to. Okay? Um, she was given the opportunity but said, uh-uh. So, um, but anyway, uh, there's eight words I feel that are very, very important for anyone to be effective. And uh, the first four are, I'm here to serve. And that's what ministry is all about, just being a servant. And the second thing is, I need your help. I can't do it on my own. If we work together as a team, we can accomplish a lot. We're glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. We look forward to working with you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Steve and Susan will be around following the worship experience today, and I would love for you to get to know them. They're a great couple, and uh, they're going to bring so much uh, to this body, just uh, in relationship and to their giftings, and so I'm glad they're here. Um, Steve has served as a lead pastor, a senior pastor at churches in the past, and he's been on staff as an executive pastor in the role he's in with us at churches that are much, much larger than ours even, and so um, we're excited about him being here and just what they bring to the team, so please get to know them. You will not regret it. Um, we talk a lot here about ministry and ministry that happens beyond our church because we know that in order to see every life made different, it can't just be about the summit. We want to help empower and equip other churches, other ministries, and other people to reach people we never could. And so one of the churches that we partnered with very early on, right after I arrived, uh, is Adventure Church in Columbus, Ohio. They're actually on the north side of Columbus in Lewis Center. So if you know people in Columbus or in the north side of Columbus specifically that are looking for a church, I know of a good one. And so uh, I know Kyle would love to connect with you after the worship experience today. But um, we connected with them. Kyle and I were actually on staff together at our previous church before I came here. And I uh, got to know he and his wife and their family. And uh, they went and planted uh, Adventure Church in Columbus. And we wanted to be a part of that because uh, we believe in sowing seed in Surefire Ministries. And, and we feel like God has got a huge purpose and plan for them. And since the time they began their ministry, they now have over 300 people uh, in their they're with them on a weekend. Um, they're seeing God do incredible things. They've begun the process of trying to find land to, to procure land for a new building because uh, God is just growing them and doing incredible things. And I'm so excited that we get to say that we've been a little, little tiny part of what God is doing uh, in Columbus, Ohio through Adventure Church. And so uh, he's been with us, I think this is the third time he's preached here at the summit. And so some of you will know him and remember him. But uh, if you would, please welcome with me to this stage, Pastor Kyle Hammond. 
Thanks, Mel. Appreciate you, man. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, balcony. Yes, my kind of people up in the balcony this morning. Well, it's good to see all of you. Great to be back here at the Summit Church. We always enjoy getting to spend some time with your awesome pastors. How many of you know you have an awesome pastor and his wife, Mel and Kim? You guys are so blessed, and we're just thankful for their uh, friendship and the amazing support that they give us and what, that you give us. Uh, as a church plant, we're, we'll be three years old in September. Uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult for a church plant to succeed without the support of other churches coming behind them. Uh, we had about 70 people when the day we started our church, and those people don't give enough or do we have enough people to fully support uh, what it takes to operate a church and to make all those things happen. So it would be impossible without churches like you who are willing and able to invest in us. And so we're very thankful for your investment that you give here, that you have sown a seed into our ministry. And anytime we've had a project, we moved into a building about a year and a half, a year and a half ago, a space that we leased that we had to renovate. And one of the first churches to get behind us was the Summit Church. And they said, man, we believe in that. Let's do that. And every step along the way, last year we had to expand our parking and put some gravel in and, and the Summit Church came and helped us out and made that happen and financially invested so we could accomplish those things. So thank you very much for your support. So great to see all that's happening here. Wow. I mean, it's amazing just from the time last year to now, uh, what God is doing uh, in the short period that Pastor Mel and Kim have been here is really incredible. And I want you to know that that's not normal, okay? <laughs> it's not normal to see a church almost double in size in a two-year period, to move into a building project and expansion and to be able to do all of those things. That is not normal. That's not happening. Uh, the average church in our country is under 150 people. And a lot of them are in decline. And so, man, it's churches like the Summit that are making a difference in their community uh, that's fun to be a part of. It's fun to be on a winning team, amen? To be a part of something that's winning, that's making a difference. And you get to be a part of that here. So be thankful for that. Continue to invest. Continue to be a part of what God is doing. And uh, the best is still yet to come for this church and all of you. Well, you guys have been in a series this summer on the book of James, and I kind of wanted to continue with that theme today around faith. James talks a lot about faith and the importance it plays in our lives. And in Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul tells us that the world that we're living in is in a dark place. How many of you know that the world's a dark place? You can turn on the news any night. I was preaching a youth camp this week in uh, Marengo, Ohio. Uh, if you've never been there, uh, you don't, don't go there. There's not much there besides the campground. But we was with middle schoolers, and I came home Thursday night after preaching there all week, turn on the news to find out what happened in France. And it's just like, what? That's, it's crazy. And before that, it was with Dallas and Orlando and, and, and what's happening in our country, that we live in a dark place and that we have an enemy who is after our souls that's active in our world. So Paul talks about this in his final chapter in Ephesians and this church that he planted. And he says, a final word, be strong in the Lord, Ephesians six ten, and his mighty power. Isn't that awesome that he says, be strong in yourself and your awesome power. No, that we're in and of ourselves. We aren't strong, but God is. He says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. This morning, thankfully, you all got up and put on clothes before you came to church. It's a good thing. Uh, ushers would have had a 
problem otherwise and had to confront some people. If, if not, but you did. But those clothes didn't miraculously fall on you, did they? That'd be nice if we just woke up and in our mind picture our outfit and boom, it was on us. And we met our day. But you had to, to take an effort to put it on. That's what Paul's saying here about the, the armor of God that he gives you. It's available. It's in your closet. It's in the drawer. But you've got to take it out. You have to put this armor on. He says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against the evil spirits in heavenly places. So Paul says, you're under attack. But thankfully, God has given us a defense system. God has given us armor to protect ourselves and to actually continue to move forward in the plan that God has for us. But you gotta activate the armor. You gotta put it on. Ephesians 6, then verse 13, it says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. It doesn't say if you have a time with evil. It says when you have a time with evil. That at some point in your life, you're going to come face to face. You're going to confront the enemy. That you are going to come under attack in your life. That you're going to face evil. And when you do, if you're ready, Paul says, you're going to be the one after the battle still standing firm. Amen? So stand your ground, he says, putting on the belt of truth. The truth of who God is. The truth of his word that we find in the scripture. That God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth in the life, that we find our truth in him. Then he says, put on the body armor, the breastplate of God's righteousness. And righteousness is this. Righteousness means that you are right with God, not because of what you can do, but because of what Jesus has already done for you. Amen, right? Thank God it's not based on what I can do. Thank God that he doesn't make me earn my righteousness. That when you come into relationship with Christ, the Bible says he clothes you in Jesus' righteousness. He was perfect. He was without sin. He never made a mistake. And so God no longer sees you, but he sees Christ in you. So you're clothed in his righteousness. And it says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Sometimes we think of peace as like sitting on a tropical beach on vacation. You go, oh, that's peace right there, right? Oh God, give me shoes of peace that lead me to tropical destinations, right? So we can think that peace is the absence of problems. Peace is the absence of pain and stress, but that's not what peace means. Peace means the presence of God in midst of your problems. Peace means that God can still bring you peace that passes understanding in the midst of an attack, in the midst of a trial, because his presence is there with you. And it says, in addition to all of these things, another translation says, above all, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I wanna focus on verse 16 this morning as we talk about faith. And in the Good News translations, it says, at all times, carry faith as a shield. For with it, you will be able to put out all the burning arrows shot by the evil one. You see, as a follower of Jesus, there is a target on your back. The enemy has put a bullseye on your back. The day that you came into relationship with Jesus, he said, I am against everything you now stand for. 
That's not very encouraging this morning. But hey, it's the 11 o'clock service. You've had enough coffee already. You can handle it. But you're under attack. That the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy the work of God in you. That's a reality that we all face. It's the world that we live in. And like we said, we can see that evil is active in our world. That he's out to destroy. Scripture said, Jesus said that he was a murderer. The enemy was a murderer from the very beginning. That he is a liar. It's who he is. It's what his character is. And that he is the father of every lie. You see, the battle that we fight is right up here. He says, you're not fighting flesh and blood. That'd be a lot easier, right? We see the devil coming, you know. He has his pitchfork, you know. He's coming with it. And we go, all right, come on, man. I'm, I'm ready, right? He says, you're not fighting like that. You're fighting against things you can't even see. That's hard for you to understand. And the battle is in, is in the mind. The, the battlefield is, is in our thoughts because that's where the enemy attacks. He sows seeds of, of lies and, and doubts and into our minds to try to get us to believe a lie because he is the father of all lies. And if he can get you to believe something that's not true, the way you believe will come out in the way that you live. So you'll begin to live in a way that's not true, that's not reality, that you'll be living in a false reality and the devil tries to get God's people to live in this reality that's not true. So they become ineffective. They don't advance in God's purpose for their life. So the battlefield is in our mind and so the enemy begins to fire these arrows at you consistently. There's firing things. First, he may be firing doubt at you this morning. He's trying to get you to, to doubt God, to, to, to ask the question, is, is God really real? Did God really say that? Can God really do that? Can God really move in that way in my life? And he begins to fire doubt at you, try to get you to buy the lie of doubt. Maybe it's discouragement. Satan tells you you're never gonna get any better, that your life is never going to change. Why would you even try? You can get discouraged to where you just wanna throw in the towel and quit and give up. Maybe it's the arrow of delay. You ask yourself, why is this taking so long? God, here I am. I'm being faithful. I'm showing up. I'm, I'm trying, Lord, but, but why aren't you showing up yet? Why haven't you moved? Why hasn't this happened by now? Difficulty. Fire's difficulty. The lie of, of difficult, being difficult. And he begins to, to challenge you with, why is this so hard? Why is it so hard to make my marriage work? Is my marriage even worth it? Why is it so hard to seem to climb out of this financial debt that we're in? Why is it so hard to get a job that I really enjoy and that I like? And he tries to get you with difficulty. Maybe it's depression. You tell yourself it's just not worth it. Life isn't worth it. God's not worth it. His plan is just not worth it. I don't even feel like making an effort anymore. Depressed. So these arrows are coming at you on a regular basis to create uncertainty in your life. And in difficult seasons when you're out of work and your marriage is in trouble and there's financial issues, they seem to come at you even faster. He seems to, to come at you with even more of them. And Paul says, you gotta be ready. You gotta be willing to stand firm. And Paul gives us a defense against the arrows that the enemy is shooting at us. And he says, you gotta put on, pick up your shield of faith. Today, I got this off of Amazon Prime. If you aren't an Amazon Prime member, you should be. It'll change your life. It really will. 
uh, especially when they bring Prime now to here. You can order groceries and they will be at your house within two hours of you ordering them. Uh, my wife takes advantage of that frequently at our home with two children. But I bought this on Amazon Prime. It's not an actual Roman shield like Paul was describing. This is a fake Thor shield. It's flimsy plastic and for the sake of money and travel and two small children. I brought this as a visual for you today. So for all my visual learners, you're welcome. Hope you appreciate my prop this morning. So Paul says, put on the shield, pick up the shield. The shield that he was talking about was a Roman shield. Paul was writing this in jail. There's a Roman guard outside of his cell and he's looking at this armor as he's writing this and describing it out. But a Roman shield was much bigger. It was kind of like the shape of a door, rectangular. And it was rounded on both ends. It was typically made of two sheets of wood that were glued together. Then they covered it with a canvas and, or a leather type material. And then they would soak that with, with water to protect and to be able to put out the arrows, the flaming arrows coming at them. The shield weighed roughly about 22 pounds. So it wasn't light. And it was 40 inches high, 30 inches across. Then it had a piece of metal that ran across the shield. So it could also be used kind of as a weapon to push forward, to advance in battle. So it was big enough to protect the entire body. The shield is the first line of defense, right? All the other armor is secondary. It's if an arrow happens to get by your shield, you're still protected. But the shield was the first line of defense. But... You have to pick up the shield. You gotta carry the shield with you at all times, Paul says. So I think as we talk about this shield, which Paul says is faith for us in our spiritual battle that we're in, I think we first have to ask the question, what is faith? George Michael said, you gotta have it. And we hear things like, keep the faith, brother, right? Stay strong in the faith. They came to faith. Stay faithful. We hear these things. In the New Testament, the English word faith is used to translate the Greek word pistis. And pistis means the belief with the idea of trust or confidence in God. So faith means that we trust, that our confidence and that our assurance and belief is in God and in God alone. That's what faith means. There's also another guy who writes a lot of definitions for words. His name's Mr. Webster. Uh, he wrote a book called The Dictionary. And he said, faith is this. It's the strong belief and complete trust and confidence in God. And then I love this part of his definition. Based on spiritual understanding rather than proof. Based on an understanding. Paul listed the armor. You gotta have the belt of truth. You gotta have an understanding of who you are clothed in righteousness, that, that we have an understanding, a knowledge through scripture, the truth, the word of God, the promises of God, of who he is. And because of that knowledge, we can then put our faith fully confident into our God. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance, the evidence about what we do not See, so faith is the substance it's, or assurance of things that we hope for, that, we, that we're believing for, but yet have not received. So faith is also our evidence of that which is not seen in the invisible spiritual things. So faith teaches us to believe 
in spite of what we see. To believe in spite of what we see. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 7 says, so we are always confident. There's that word confidence, trusting, believing. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not home with the Lord. It means eat, until we get home with him, we're gonna have issues. We're gonna have problems. But we can be confident in the midst of what's going on. We can have faith. Verse seven, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Another translation says, we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. You see, most of us are the, I need to believe it before I see it type of people, right? That's the culture we live in. That's the world we live in. Until I see it, I'm not gonna believe it. The problem is, is that God has called us to live by faith, not by sight. By what we believe, not what we see. So we need to doubt our doubts and believe our beliefs. But most of us tend to do just the opposite. We tend to doubt our beliefs and believe our doubts. And that's what the, exactly what the enemy wants you to do. That's exactly what he's firing at you. So Paul says, you gotta have faith. You gotta have the shield of faith. In Ohio, we're from Columbus, Central Ohio. The NBA team in our state is the Cleveland Cavaliers, okay? And the other services, the first service last night, I asked if there was any fans and there was, I think maybe one or two. So I won't even ask you today. I don't know who you all root for here in Pennsylvania, but in Ohio, we were rooting for the Cavs and they made it to the NBA finals. So everyone was excited. They were playing the Warriors and the team was healthy. And last year they made it to the finals against the Warriors and the team wasn't healthy. And so we were like, this is the year. The Cavs are gonna win it all. And everyone was believing. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, the Cavaliers are down three games to one. And the Warriors only need to win one more game to win the NBA finals. And the Cavs must win three in a row which had never been done in the history of the NBA. Never been done. No team has ever come back from a 3-1 deficit to win the NBA finals. So I went before our church and our congregation, and I begged them to pray with me for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I said, let's pray. Oh God, we pray for the Cavs. We pray for LeBron James. We pray for Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. And we, were, we were believing Didn't fast, but we almost got there. But we were praying for the Cavs. And game five comes, and they win. Hey, they won. There's another game. Game six comes. They win again. And I'm like, no way. This is not possible. They force a game seven back in Golden State. So they have home court, and I'm like, I'm kind of a pessimist by nature. I'm like, there's no way the Cleveland Cavs are gonna win this. So I went into the game with very low expectations. And lo and behold, man, the Cavs play a remarkable game. LeBron James has a triple-double. And the Cavs are the first team in NBA history to come back from three to one to win the NBA finals. And when they were interviewing LeBron James, they asked him, they said, you know, how did you guys do it? And he said, we just took it one game at a time. He said, we believed that we could do it. We believed. And we just took it one game at a time. 
And I think that's what God wants us to do, to believe in spite of what we see, in spite of the odds, in spite of the obstacles that we have to overcome. Faith says, I choose to believe in spite of what I see. One of Jesus' disciples was a pessimist like me, maybe like you. He was, I need to see it before I believe it. His name was Thomas. He was the doubting disciple. And in John chapter 20, Jesus had come back from the dead, right? Remarkable. His disciples see him and they come running back to tell Thomas, you aren't gonna believe it. Jesus did exactly what he said he was gonna do. He's back from the dead. And Thomas goes, until I see the nail holes in his hands, I'm not buying it. That's what he said. I'm not buying it. I need to see it. Then I'll believe it. So in John chapter 20, it says that the disciples were in a room together and the door was locked. It's interesting it says that. And then all of a sudden, Jesus just shows up in the middle of them. (laughs) How many of you know Jesus just likes to mess with people sometimes, I think, right? He's just like, I'm not even gonna knock on the door. I'm just gonna show up, right? So Thomas is there. And immediately, he doesn't say anything else. Thomas didn't tell Jesus, I need to see. He told his disciples. He told his friends. Jesus knew his heart. So Jesus shows up in the room in verse 27. He says, then Thomas said to him, hey, or Jesus said to him, hey, Tommy, Tom, come on over, buddy. Go ahead, touch it. Not only do you see it, you can feel it. Oh, that's not enough. Go ahead, put your hand in the wound in my side as well. And this is what he says to Thomas. He says, don't be faithless any longer. Believe, believe. Thomas said, my Lord, my God, you are the son of God. Lord, I do believe. And then Jesus told him, he said, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's me and you. He said, if you just believe, Man, it's powerful. It can be a game changer in your life if you believe. You see, faith says, no matter what I see, I believe that my God is willing and able to move. See, we can't be moved by what we see. We have to be moved by what we believe. We have to act on our belief. So if you see a bad medical report, you say, I believe that my God is willing and able to heal because his word says so. You see a broken relationship, you say, I believe that my God is willing and he's able to restore my relationship. You see a dangerously low bank account. You say, I believe that my God is willing and able to provide, spite of what I see. We see a world that's full of terror and tragedy. We say, I believe that my God is sovereign that my God is in control and that I don't have to fear because my faith is in him. See, we can't be moved by what we see. We're moved by what we believe. Augustine said that faith is to believe what we do not see and the reward of faith is to see what we believe. You see, you gotta believe it before you'll see it, not the other way around. So now that we know what faith is, then I think we have to ask, how do we use it? How do we use the shield? What do, we, what do we do? In Ephesians, again, going back to Paul's instructions to us in verse 16, he said, to hold up, to raise up the shield of faith, to stop 
the fiery arrows of the devil. You see, a shield has to be raised in order to be effective. I can't just carry a shield by my side and expect it to do any good for me. You see, the other armor's easy. You wear it, kind of like your clothes. Sure, armor's a little bit heavier, but you don't have to hold it. Your body kind of carries the weight of it. It's easy. But the faith part, the shield part, again, this shield weighed about 22 pounds, so it wasn't light. And in order for it to work, it has to be raised up. It has to be lifted. And it can never really be lowered. So when Paul lists out this armor, he puts the emphasis on faith, saying above everything else, you gotta raise it up. You see, in order for faith to work, your faith has to work. If your faith is gonna work, you're gonna have to work your faith out in your life. It's gonna have to become active in the way you live and what you do. To be truly faithful, our unshakable belief and and faith in the promises of God has to be active. It has to be enduring. The shield is not effective if it's lowered. A soldier cannot advance on the battlefield with the shield that is laying at his side. It has to be raised. And if you wanna advance in God's purpose for your life, if you wanna move forward in what God is doing in your life and the plan he has for you, because he, he does have a plan for you. He created you, the Bible says, calls you a masterpiece. It says you that he, before you were formed in your mother's womb that he wrote a plan out for your life. He wrote a story that he is the author and the perfecter of your faith. So there is a story. But if you wanna live that story, if you wanna advance in that story, he says, you gotta be willing to raise your shield of faith. You gotta act on what you believe. You see, we're saved by faith. That's the easy part. We're saved by faith, but the Bible also says we have to live by faith. That we have to make it active in our life. So for faith, To be effective, it has to become active. Otherwise, it's not really gonna make much of a difference for you. Kind of like working out. You see, I belong to a gym. It's called Planet Fitness. It's in Columbus. And I try to consistently stay in the gym and, you know, having a couple kids makes it difficult sometimes and being a church planner, it's, it's tough to find time. But I try to make that a part of my life. And so I have times where I struggle with it more than others though. And there's literally been times where I drive up to the gym and I pull into the parking lot and then I begin to debate with myself whether or not I should go in. Any of you else been there before? Maybe it's, you don't even make it. At least I made it to the parking lot. You're like, I don't even make it to the parking lot, man. I leave home, I'm going home. I'm not even going, right? You see, and I'll debate and I'll say, oh man, you know, I had to work late yesterday and I'm tired, so I should just be able to... I deserve a night just to relax. Or, you know, I'll start thinking like, man, my poor kids, you know, I've been an absentee father lately. You know, I should just sacrifice my time in the gym so I can go be with my children, right? I'm gonna be a good dad. And I debate. And thankfully, more often than not, I usually drag myself into the gym and and I work out and I get on the treadmill or the elliptical and I lift a few weights and I always feel better about it after I'm done. It's a good thing. But how many of you know that belonging to a gym doesn't really do anything for me, right? Being a member at a gym doesn't really do a lot for me. The gym is useless unless I use it. 
It's useless. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't bring about any transformation to my life. It's not going to transform my body, my health in any way, shape, or form unless I activate my membership, (laughs) unless I use it. That's what faith is to you and me. It's a free gift, grace, that you're saved by faith, just by your belief. But it doesn't stop there. For it to be transformational in your life, it has to be activated. And without any activation, there won't be any transformation. That you have to work your faith out. So we activate our faith by acting on what we believe. And as Christ followers, we believe in the word of God. That's where we get our belief. That's where we get our faith and our strength is from his promises to us. What we believe to be true, despite what we see. So the enemy, his weapon of choice is the battlefield. His battlefield's the mind. His weapon is the arrows of lies that he shoots at you. And the only way to defeat the lies of the enemy is with the truth of God's word. And so you have to activate the word of God in your life by living out your faith. You see, Paul goes on to say in verse 17, he says, and we put on the helmet of salvation. Then he says, and we take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you get your shield and then you have your sword. And the sword and this, the meaning of the word of God in, in this particular scripture is the rhema word of God. The Greek word rhema, which means the declared, the uttered word of God, literally has to be spoken out loud. That you can't just internalize it. That your weapon in spiritual warfare is the declared word of God, where you speak out the word of God. The enemy can't fight that. You see, truth defeats a lie. God is truth, He is more powerful. Greater is he that is within you than he that's within the world. And so if we wanna fight off the enemy, if we wanna advance in God's purpose for our life, we have to begin to declare the word of God against the lies of the enemy. So when doubt comes your way and you start questioning God, you start questioning his plan, did God really say that? Can God really do that? You pull out the word of God and Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and you say, I will trust in the Lord with all of my heart. I'm not gonna lean on my own understanding in all of my ways I will submit to him and he will make my path straight. You raise up your shield of faith, declaring the word of God. See, it doesn't mean you won't have different feelings of fear or worry or stress or human, it's a part of it. But what it means is, is I'm not gonna rely on my feelings. I'm not gonna give in to my feelings. I'm gonna recognize them for what they are but I will defeat the lie of the enemy with the the word of God. I don't go by what I feel. I go by my faith in what I believe to be true. And it's so important that you focus on the truth of God's word because what you focus on determines your direction. Right? That's just common sense. I drove here four hours in my car and I had to look out the front window to get to where I wanted to be. Couldn't drive looking out the side window, right? That's not gonna be a good thing. Couldn't drive looking in the rear view mirror. I had to focus on where I wanted to go. And so if your focus shifts to your feelings, mm, 
You're not gonna end up where you wanna be. You're not gonna end up where God wants you to be. So you focus on your faith. You focus on what you believe, the word of God. I don't focus on my feelings. I focus on what I know is true. So we trust that God is always working behind the scenes. We believe that his plans will always prevail, that God is for us, not against us. So we don't live by our feelings. We live by our faith. You raise your shield, shield of faith. Discouragement comes your way. Satan tells you you're never gonna get any better. Fires the lie of you're never gonna change. You're never gonna get any better. Your life isn't gonna be any different. Why would you even try? Jeremiah 29, 11, the rhema word of God, you declare, I know the plans that God has for me. They're plans to prosper me, to not harm me, plans to give me a hope and a future. Then I will call, and when I call on him, and I come to him and pray to him, he's gonna listen to me. And when I seek him, I'm gonna find him when I seek him with all that I have. You see, that's the declared word. That wasn't exactly what it said in scripture, but I personalized it to me and to my situation. God's for me, not against me. That's faith. No matter what I see, no matter how bad it gets, I don't go by what I see, I go by what I believe. He's gonna prosper me. He's got a future for me. He hears me when I pray to him. When I seek him, I find him. You personalize it. It's the rhema word. It's the shield of faith. God has a plan. You raise your shield. Delay comes. You say, man, I'm trying all that, Kyle. I'm trying to stay faithful. I'm coming to church. I'm in a life group. I'm in a small group. I'm trying to do the things I know to do to activate my faith, but it's, it's delayed. It's taking too long. Something hasn't happened, and I thought it should have happened by now. Listen, just because it hasn't happened on your timetable doesn't mean God isn't working. God's delay doesn't mean it's his denial right? It just means you're probably not ready for it yet. You think you're ready for what's next. And God's saying, if I gave you what was next right now, it would crush you. That's how I have to remind myself that as a church planner all the time. I'm ready for land. I'm ready for building. I'm ready for the the masses, thousands. God, our community needs you. We thousands of people. But if God brought that kind of harvest right now, it would crush us. We don't have the volunteers. We don't have the systems. We don't have the finances to sustain something like that. So his delay isn't his denial. It just means that he's continuing to work. And so the shield of faith says, the word of God says, I'll be patient, Lord. I'll continue to trust you even in the delay. I'll keep coming to church. I'll keep serving. I'll keep giving financially. I'll invest in the new building project. I'll do those things. I'm gonna activate my faith despite what I see, believing God that you're gonna show up when the time is right because that's what always happens. Your faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good in activating our faith and living a life of faith. He says, don't, don't get weary for at the proper time. Oh man, Paul, why didn't you say when I wanted it to happen? At my time, I'll keep doing good and at my time, I'll see a harvest. No, he says, at the proper time, God's time, the one who knows the beginning from the end, who wrote your story, come on, right? Who knows everything about you. It says, when he's ready, which means you're ready, it says you'll reap a harvest if you don't quit. 
But Paul says, don't quit. Don't quit in the delay. Raise your shield of faith. Keep walking by faith despite what you see. You raise your shield. Difficulty comes. You ask yourself, why is this so hard? I do want to quit. I can't make this marriage work. I'm trying and trying and trying. It's not working. It's difficult. Why is it so hard to find a job? Matthew 19, 26. Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Not some things, all things, everything is possible. Paul, who went through many hardships in his missionary journeys, planting churches, one of the greatest men of God we've ever seen, wrote the majority of the New Testament. He said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. That's faith. Despite what I feel, despite what I believe, despite how hard it is, I believe God can do anything. So I'm not gonna give up. Even if it gets hard, I'm gonna keep pushing through. I'm gonna rely on my faith that God is shaping me, that he's strengthening me through my suffering, that he's working everything to my good and to his purpose because I am called by him. That's scripture. He works all things together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. All things. It doesn't seem like this is very good. That's faith. You believe despite what you see, you raise your shield. And the awesome thing is this, is that when you raise your shield of faith and you live by faith and not by sight, God always responds to our faith with his faithfulness. Always. There's not an example in scripture where God doesn't show up for people. Now, it may have not been on the time frame that they thought, but God always shows up. So as faithful people, we gotta begin to starve our doubts. We gotta begin to feed our faith that we will trust in God and we believe that he will be faithful when we're faithful. I think God is looking for a group of people who despite what they see on the news, despite what's happening in the political arena of our country, despite what's happening in your neighborhood, despite what's happening at your workplace, despite what's happening in your relationships that will stand up with the shield of faith, that they'll take a stand against the enemy and they'll say, God is my solid rock. He's the foundation of my life. And despite what I see, Lord, I believe. I activate my faith. I will move forward. I will focus on Jesus who's written a story for my life and I'm not gonna allow anything to deter me. I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. God is my rock. I think God's looking for a group of people who will live their life with shields raised high, activating their faith. You see, I love this quote from George Mueller. He said, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. I love that. Paul kind of said it this way. He said, I can boast in my weaknesses because where I am weak, the Lord will reveal his strength. And so I, I boast in my weaknesses all the more because 
when God shows up in an area that I'm weak, guess who gets the glory for that? He does. So you go, well, I'm not strong enough. I don't know if I can handle it. You're the perfect candidate for God to move in a powerful way. He says, for where you're weak, I'm strong. Where there's a gap, I'll make it up. That's the God we serve. That's the God we put our faith in. So what area of your life do you need to raise your shield? Your marriage, your career, your kids? Where are you doubting God? Where has it been challenging for you? Where are you fearful? I believe God's saying today, raise your shield. Don't lower it. Live by faith, not by sight. It's not about what you can see. It's about what you can believe. I love that the apostles were kind of ordinary guys, ordinary people like you and me that struggle sometimes, right? They struggled to understand who God was. They struggled to believe. And there was a situation where their faith was lacking and they had to call on Jesus to show up to save them. And in Luke 17, five through six, it says, the apostles said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. They asked Jesus to give them more faith. And Jesus replied to him. He says, if you have faith the size of a small mustard seed, he said, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it will obey you. Wow. So what is he saying there? He's saying, hey boys, look, here's the deal. I know you're human. I know you're gonna struggle, but if you just have a little bit of faith, just a little bit, he goes, I'll make up the difference. I can work with a little. If you don't give me any, I, don't, I can't really work with that. If you just give me a little bit, if you will activate just a little bit of faith, man, I'll move in a powerful way. So today, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I know God is saying this. You can ask him to increase your faith. And I believe he will. And if you just give him a little bit this morning, I believe that our God is willing and able to move in a powerful way. That he'll respond to your faith with his faithfulness. If you'd bow your head and close your eyes with me today as we close out our time together. If you're here and you could, you know, just being honest with the Lord this morning and you would say, man, it's great, encouraging message on faith, but if I'm just gonna be honest, I, I haven't really put my faith in Jesus. Sure, I believe somewhat, believe there's a God, but I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus to say, you're the one who's in control. I give you the pen to my story. God, I put my faith and trust and confidence fully in you. The Bible says all of us because of sin are separated from God but that God so loved you that he was willing to send his son who was perfect and sinless to die in your place. And that death was the sacrifice for your sin. He paid the penalty for your sin. And because he was willing to do that, now you can enter into a relationship with God. There was a gap between God and his people and Jesus built a bridge. And so you can enter into a relationship with your heavenly father, the one who created you and knows you, by simply confessing your need for him and your belief 
and turning from our sin and turning towards God, he promises to forgive us and to give us a new hope and a future in him. So today, if that's you, and you know it, you're away from the Lord, you can sense the Holy Spirit right now tugging at your heart. Man, it's difficult. Paul said it's hard, it's dark. Man, the day of evil will come, and I can't imagine facing it without Jesus. It's hard enough with Jesus. I can't imagine facing life and going through life without him. And so today, if that's you and you say, man, I need Jesus. Man, I want a relationship with him. I need him in my life. As a sign of surrender to the Lord, as a sign of faith this morning, would you just lift up your hand to God and say, that's me? Thanks. Without hesitation, thank you. Who else? Say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. I want to put my faith in him. He's worthy of it. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Anyone else today? I'm going to trust in God. Amen. If you believe this and have prayed this before, would you pray with those who have raised their hand this morning and just say, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the Son of God and that you died for me so I can live for you. Today, I put my faith in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one. And today in all of the services this weekend at the Summit Church, there's been many who have put their faith in Jesus. So can we rejoice with heaven this morning over what God is doing? Amen. Would you stand with us today and as the worship team close us out and our prayer team is gonna come. And so if you need prayer this morning in any of these areas, uh, man, I would encourage you. The Bible says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so pray with those people who are prepared to pray with you this morning. But for the rest of us, as we worship God and we close out our time together, would you activate your faith this morning? Would you believe despite what you see? Will you give God just a little bit so he can make up the difference. God, we love you, we thank you, that when we call on you, you hear us, that when we seek you, we find you, and God, that you always respond to the faithful with your faithfulness. And so God, today we put our faith in you again. We believe despite what we see, we trust you. God, as we worship you, would you meet with us? In Jesus' name. for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.